0: Hello and welcome to another Mirror Football Podcast. We come to you uh, in the wake of the transfer window closing. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan hosting again today uh, alongside, once again, Alex Richards and our Deputy Sports Editor here at the Mirror, uh, Martin Domin. Um, The transfer window um, is now shut. No more business can be done and Alexis Sanchez remains an Arsenal player. Um, Surely we didn't actually expect him to stay. Well he
1: has stayed So Look he wanted to move Arsenal eventually accepted a bid from Manchester City for him But they didn't want to let him go without having a replacement in And at the end of the day they couldn't get their man So they
0: didn't let him go and he's got another year left And then he walks away on a free. I mean, after after everything that happened with Sanchez during last season, surely we expected um, that he was going to move on, whether it to be Man- Manchester City or P- Paris Saint-Germain or one of these other teams. Uh, surely it will be tough now for Sanchez to rebuild his bridges with, with Arsenal. I think it's been quite a theme in this transfer window, or, or just gone,
2: about players being unhappy at clubs. You talk about Sanchez, obviously there's Van Dijk as well, Coutinho at Liverpool... It cannot be healthy to have these players in, in in the clubs for another season, and Sanchez in particular, you know, he's clearly made it clear that he wanted to leave. Arsenal initially in the summer were saying, "No, absolutely not. We don't care if we sell him or let him go on a free next season." And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh yeah, we'll give him to their rivals." In theory, in Manchester City, but you're right. His teammates will know. They'll they'll have seen his expression in training. They'll have seen him during the game in the stands. I think it will be difficult for him to go back and convince them, yeah, my heart's in this, because he's going to get paid anyway, whether he's on the bench and stands on on the pitch.
1: You saw his expression against Liverpool Mm. uh, the other day when they went 4-0 down and he's on the halfway line on his haunches and he looked like he would rather be anywhere else in the world than playing for that Arsenal team right now.
0: Um, obviously, Arsenal were linked with Thomas Lamar as well. Obviously, they had the, the big bid put in, the big bid accepted, but it was obviously, it sounds like Lamar who's turned down the move. Would Lamar have been an adequate replacement for Sanchez? I don't really think he's a replacement for Sanchez. He's a very different kind
1: of player. He's more of a box to box midfielder. He's versatile, can play the flank, can play through the middle. Um, he's not going to get you the goals that Sanchez gets you, but he will different. He would have brought a different skill set to the team. Um, obviously, he scored twice at France last night as I smashed Holland and the first was an absolute rocket. Uh, the second one he actually p- pinched off uh, Alexander Lacazette's toe. Um, and apparently Lacazette and a few other French players had been to his hotel room earlier in the day to try and persuade him to move to Arsenal, but he just didn't think that he had enough time to think over that move that late in the day. Um, I think the fact that the fee went to 90 million kind of spoke of Arsenal's... Um, Desperation in the end that they wanted they wanted someone. Um, and, you know, the, the thing about Liverpool were interested in him and they'd been quoted a figure that was said to be around 70 75 million, and then suddenly it's Arsenal and, and that figure's risen 15 million on top of that. Um, it was just a mess, Arsenal, this transfer window, to be quite honest.
0: Uh, are Arsenal. The big losers of deadline day because obviously they conceded three to Leicester. All right, they went on to win the game, but then they lost to Stoke. Uh, They've obviously lost again since. Did they have to strengthen to to kind of even put them in top four contention? Never mind title contention. Did they have to strengthen on deadline day? Do you feel? I think given that
2: we don't know how Sanchez is going to react to having to stay, we don't know if he's what kind of player he's going to be for Arsenal. Then the answer has to be yes. And we talked about Lamar, obviously, but also Julian Draxler was linked. From Paris Saint Germain, but it did just seem like, I mean, this window is not open for a week. It's not open for a few days. But again, Arsenal have just—they should have made the decision on Sanchez much earlier. Just, you know, decided he was going to—we were going to let him leave—and then think about replacements. Not leave it until the last couple they of actually, days. They actually
1: actually started the window quite quite well. Mm. We got Kolasinac in quickly yeah. as soon as Lacazette moved to Atletico Madrid, fell through their pants on that, and got the struck. I mean, they've looked at him for a couple of years, so you question why it's taken them two, three years to actually go and get him. Um, But they pounced on that quick enough to bring him in. Um, But then it's just... It's typified by the Oxlade-Chamberlain thing. How is he joining Liverpool for £40 on the Thursday, having played against Liverpool on the Sunday
0: in that absolute dismal... Dismal performance. You mentioned Oxley Chamberlain. Is, is is Liverpool a good move for, for Oxley Chamberlain? Would we say? Yeah, I
2: think so. I think he didn't really kick on at Arsenal as much as you might have expected, and he'd probably argue that he's been played out of position this this season, certainly. And it's yeah, definitely at the moment. If you look at the two teams, regardless, even of the result the other day, it is a step for a step up for him, not a step up, but a good move for him in terms of it's a club who are going places. Great attacking lineup at Liverpool, with or without Coutinho. Definitely a good move for him. Uh, again, you don't want an unhappy player. At I think the he's club. got a lot
1: to prove now. Um, he's been at Arsenal for six six years. Uh, if you can tell me what his best position is, then you're a better man than I am because you know he's played he's played on the right side of attack. He's played right wing back, left wing back. He's been mm. playing full back a bit. Apparently, he wants to play in central midfield don't really know
0: which he he is Is central midfield where he's going to fit into that Liverpool team Because let's be honest He's not at the moment going to get in ahead of the likes of Salah, Firmino, Mane, Coutinho if he comes back
1: Seems to be that's why he's gone there Because he wants to play in that that midfield three Rather than he could have gone to Chelsea But didn't want to play as a wing-back But that Liverpool midfield at the moment is Even without Coutinho You've got Henderson plays that sitting role quite well Chan's really kicking on but his contract's up at the end of the season still. They need to get that sorted out. And Wijnaldum's doing a good job. It's probably Wijnaldum's place that he'd take, but then it's probably Wijnaldum's place that Coutinho would take if he's still there. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, just obviously a quick mention of Coutinho. Um, at the point we're recording, the Spanish transfer window is still open. Uh, there is, a, I think, only a minute chance uh, that he could still move to Barcelona uh, this summer. Um it says something about modern-day football that footballers can have such a say in their own future. Um, obviously, you know they can kick up a bit of a fuss, and you know suddenly they, they can almost be out of the doors. Um, do the do players almost need to show a little bit more respect for the clubs, or you know is this just kind of the the way things are in football at the moment?
1: I think kind of the way things are, but I think at the same time this is kind of been the transfer window when the clubs have kind of fought back. You know, in the last few years, players handing transfer requests and. So nine times out of ten they'd get that move and they maybe don't train, whatever and, but eventually they do get the big move that they want um, Van Dijk hasn't got it Coutinho at the moment hasn't got it um, I think there's a few with Ross Barkley his move's not gone ahead you know um, I think clubs have held pretty firm this window
0: with the players that they have made a point of saying no you're not going anywhere we're keeping you I mean, you say that, but obviously, I mean, Coutinho will know that'll be linked with Barcelona again in windows to come. Van Dijk will be linked with Liverpool, no doubt, in windows to come. As will Ross Barkley, probably in January. Are we a club's maybe not just kind of stopping the inevitable from happening now?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think, a Southampton can they replace Van Dijk, or could they replace Van Dijk with an equally good centre back in the time they had? Possibly not. But seventy million is a lot of money and you know you risk him getting injured now and I don't know they get so much less again Liverpool with Coutinho they looked fine so far this season of course he had this convenient back injury which has definitely healed itself so he could score for Brazil last night but again should they really be turning down 130
0: 140 million pounds I don't think so especially with the you know we've talked about the midfield they've got absolutely so uh, we'll move on uh, slightly away from Liverpool now uh, Manchester United had one of the most quiet deadline days Uh, Of any Premier League team, I mean, pretty much nothing happened. uh, Absolutely nothing at at United, but they had a pretty solid summer. Um, Did they need to bring anyone else in, or you know, are are they going to be pretty happy? But mind, Josie Mourinho at the start of summer said he wanted four new signings. Whether he classes Latanić, but Himović has the fourth. You know, he
1: he wanted he wanted a winger, didn't he? That's been pretty pretty well publicised. He wanted Ivan Perisic from Inter Milan. didn't, wasn't able to get that deal done but apart from that he got what he wanted he got Romelu Lukaku um, centre-forward he got Nemanja Matic for that midfield role Nice Matic but won titles Matic has won titles in Portugal here um, he got Victor Lindelof who I'm still not sold on I, I he struggled in pre-season, and I, I, he's gonna take some time getting used to it um, and now he's got Ibrahimovic as well, signed up, ready to go when he's back fit so it's been a good window for them, obviously they didn't get Antoine Griezmann um, but I think they can be happy with their lot
2: There was a good bit actually, or a little snippet in the Spanish press today that Madrid obviously wanted to sign Kylian Mbappe, who's gone on loan to PSG but they were convinced that Manchester United wouldn't come in for Gareth Bale, they needed to sell someone to try and fund that move, and they thought that Bale to United would be that move, and in the end it just didn't happen Um, but no, I think Alex is right, I think Mourinho Probably had a, a nice day off yesterday. Just just chilled out.
0: walking around London on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United are second favourites to win the Premier League as it stands. Uh, with Ladbrokes, you can get them at eleven to five behind uh, Manchester City, who are the thirteen to ten favourites. Uh, looking a bit further on, Chelsea five to one to win the title. Liverpool, interesting, way back on ten to one. Spurs twelve to one. Arsenal twenty five to one. Odds which actually. Um, Got even bigger on the back of deadline day. Um, I mean, Chelsea at five to one. Um, they've had a bit of an indifferent start to the season, but they must have hated deadline day. Um, obviously snubbed by Fernando, snubbed by Fl- Fernando Llorente. If I get my words out right, um, snubbed by Ross Barkley uh, at, at the last moment, and they end up bringing in this defender, this uh, Zappacosta, who. Let's be honest. Not Chelsea. Not many Chelsea fans will have known not known a lot about him. Conte can't be happy with how uh, how the day went down, can he? No, I don't think so. I think it was no secret throughout the summer that he wasn't happy with the transfer
2: business, and it almost feels like I don't know, they had a list of names, and they were just going down and down and down until eventually they found one that they could sign and just to keep him happy. Yeah, let's spend twenty three million or whatever on the defender. So they did sign Danny Drinkwater, but again, it's not. If you said to Chelsea fans at the start of the window. Sign a midfielder and be dying drink water, they probably wouldn't have been particularly happy to yeah. have Ross Barkley halfway through America and then turn and say, That's all right, I'll, uh, I'll be back off to Everton. It's just, yeah, definitely a tricky one. It's And I'm sure we'll, the subject will crop up over the season when there's a bad result. And Conte will be continually asked, Is this because you didn't sign any
0: players? Uh, the Drinkwater thing is it not maybe a positive for Chelsea that they can link Drinkwater and Kante back up? You know, I remember how good they were for Leicester in the season they won the title.
1: I think it is, but you, you've also got to remember he's, he's got Ses Fabregas there as well. It's um, bought Bakayoko from Monaco, so he's got he's got four players there playing for ostensibly two roles. Perhaps perhaps Fabregas can play a little bit further forward as well at times. Um, for me, the drink water move is a strange one. I I know he he was keen on going to Chelsea as soon as they'd made their interest known, um, but I, I don't see him playing week in week out. He's got a little hint of that, you know, when they when they went through the period of signing the likes of Steve Sidwell as squad players. Um, I think he's got a hint of that about it. Uh, Zappa Costas, obviously he wasn't first choice, but um, he's, he knows that role playing as a wing-back at Torino. And uh, his crossing stats are actually pretty good um, over the course of the last 18 months. Um, so that's something to keep an eye out. His ability to get crosses in down the right flank and Murata's movement in the penalty area should be a supply line of goals for them.
0: Um, we'll also we'll quickly move on to one of their London rivals in Tottenham. Um, very briefly, um, they left all their business very very late. Um, they got Fernando Lorente over the line uh, at the last moment. Is that a shrewd bye buy, uh, Spurs? Because I mean, it's just a completely new dimension to their front line. Is that something that they needed? They needed a striker, and the thing is, Harry Kane
1: is always going to be the number one there. So you've got to get a guy that is willing to come and play second fiddle. Um, and that's difficult to do at the, at the at the level they are trying to pitch themselves at, wanting to challenge for the title, wanting to be in the Champions League. Um, so I think, as, I think that's as good as they could have done for that particular role. Um, obviously... Vincent Janssen hasn't worked out in that role. Um, he's still there, I believe. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but, you know, Lorente, we know he can get goals in the Premier League. So I think 15 million is a lot of money on a 32-year-old.
0: Um, but I think it's a decent piece of business from him. Cool. Um, We've not mentioned Manchester City, uh, but obviously we have talked about uh, Alexis Sanchez. That was the only piece of business that Manchester City looked like doing uh, on deadline day. Um, Just quickly, out of the top six teams, uh, who do we feel actually had the best transfer window? Um, Are there any teams in there that you actually think um, really excelled themselves themselves, uh, over the summer?
2: I think for me it has to be United. I think they identified who they wanted, they went out... And and they got the players, and, and isn't that what it's all about? It's not about last minute scrambles, and, and your know, alternatives or third fourth choices. Mourinho, you know, I I'd say identified who he wanted, what he needed to take his team to the next level, and he's got them. And so far, so good for them. You can't argue with what's happening on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think United have had the the best I think Liverpool have done good business. Um, Mo Salah, obviously they identified him early and got him in. Uh, I think the best piece of business anyone's done is them getting Naby Keita for next season. Um, he's a terrific player, and to get that deal done because I can only see him having another good season. And had they not got the deal over the line, um, I could have seen you like South Barcelona, Real Madrid, knocking on the door in 12 months' time. So I think that's a great piece of business. Um, I think it's it's those two. I think United, as Martin says, will be extremely delighted
0: the way they've gone about it, and I think Liverpool have done all right for themselves. Um, well, now we'll have a quick look at the bottom end of the table. Is it something that clubs have to do when they get promoted from the championship? They have to overhaul the squad as well. Is that the the leveling, the difference in class between the Premier League and the Championship? Because as I say Brighton have brought in twelve players, Huddersfield thirteen, Newcastle have had a bit of a disappointing summer, uh, really, but they still have brought in eight new faces. I mean, is that something you have to do? when you come up to the Premier League now?
1: I don't think you have to. I think it very much depends on how you get promoted. Um, Obviously, Huddersfield went up through the playoffs with a negative goal difference, didn't score in any of their playoff games, Um, helped by an own goal at Sheffield Wednesday and then won on penalties. Um, So I think they needed to do a lot. Um, Brighton, they've done a lot of business and I think they have improved the quality of their squad and their starting eleven. Um, I still worry about them though, and well, the situation at Newcastle is just something different entirely.
0: Yeah, um, as far as odds go, Newcastle um, have been reduced to ten to three with Ladbrokes uh, to go down. Brighton are the favourites to get relegated uh, at ten to eleven there are one team though who has significantly moved um, they've gone from about 4-1 to one to go down to about 15-2 and that's West Brom um, they've had a great summer obviously bringing in um, the midfielder from Paris St-Germain whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce I don't, I don't, I don't know Gregor Krikoviak Gregor Kri- Krikoviak yeah. well, that's what we'll go with um, seems a shrewd piece of business Um Westbrook must be absolutely delighted and um, and they've managed to keep hold of Johnny Evans as well yeah I was going to say it looked again it looked like that might become one of those sagas
2: where Evans said like let me go you know, City and then apparently Arsenal again you know so suddenly last minute they were interested as well but I think Tony Pulis when you talk about shrewd managers he's obviously up there and you know we saw last season they were you know they built a good season on the back of their defence get that together and this uh Young man from Paris Saint Germain, is he? <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll help them go forward, for sure. But they're just, just solid West Brom. I guess that's the word that comes to mind for any Tony, Tony Pulis side. Um, but maybe they can add some attacking flair as well.
1: There's a lot of pressure on on Tony Pulis this summer. Um, he's he's done a decent job at West Brom, but he's not particularly liked because of the style of football and and they reached 40 point mark I think in February last, last season yeah, and, it was quite and then they completely collapsed in the final 10-12 games of the season basically you know for whatever reason um, so I think the knives have kind of been out for him and he had to make a he had to start the season well and had to do well in the transfer market um, Jay Rodriguez, a few question marks over him, he's a very good player but he's had a lot of injury problems um, so that was partially a, a worry um, Krakowiak's an outstanding signing for them um, he should have been on the radar of bigger Premier no disrespect to West Brom um, bigger Premier League clubs he's got tremendous pedigree um, from his time in, in Seville um, took Oliver Burke from from Leipzig which is an interesting signing see how he progresses um, it all shapes up for West Brom to have a good season I think mm-hmm. they are aiming for that you know, you've got your, you've got your top six. You've got Everton, who you would expect to be seventh, maybe Southampton there, and then you've effectively got the rest. I think they are they are aiming for that ninth, tenth position, top half finish. Uh,
0: another team who made a, a perhaps shock late signing was Swansea uh, in bringing in Renato Sanchez uh, from Bayern Munich. I mean, that's, been a, that's one hell of a good signing, isn't it? Sometimes it's not what you know; it's who you know
1: and Paul Clement has been around the block as a coach, worked with Carlo Ancelotti at Chelsea, Real Madrid, PSG, then Bayern. Renato Sanchez needs games. He went to Bayern last summer on the back of an absolute whirlwind 10 months at Benfica and then joined Bayern, went and won the Euros with Portugal, joined up with Bayern in the August, started the season, got a few games under his belt and then he had one particular night in the Champions League in Rostov where he looked uh, fish out of water. He was all over the place. His passing was terrible. He got hauled off after 70 minutes of buying chase the game. He wasn't the only bad player that night, but he stuck out like a sore thumb. And he then didn't start another game for five months. Um, He's a young man. He needs games. This is the perfect proving ground for him now. In a less harsh
0: environment with somewhere that he can develop. Um,
1: perhaps away from the spotlight a little bit
0: Uh, Swansea also brought in Wilfred Bonney on deadline day from Manchester City is is this the right place for him to kind of get his career back on track
2: I hope so for his sake it's been since he left it's been a bit of a nightmare for him really and whether that's been through all his own making I don't think so I mean it seemed like he had a terrible time at Stoke and having lost the rent obviously Swansea needed someone so again sometimes you just need sometimes players just find that club that works and of course, you know he made his name, at least in this country, at Swansea. And maybe he does just need to go back to where he knows he will be loved. It's, you know, the fans will take to him. The players will, as well. See, both him and Sanchez. We see those names coming into your team, coming into the dressing room. You know, even though Sanchez is young, it, it will give them a lift. And you know, I'm sure he can feed off that.
0: Good stuff. I mean, uh, the transfer window obviously is now completely closed. Uh, no clubs can do any permanent business. Uh, until January um, I think they can sell to Barcelona if they uh, Are that way inclined at Yeah the moment. I, I mean Let's be honest. Philippe Coutinho How long is he going to be a Liverpool player? Can he can This
1: he? season I, I think if they don't sell today Which they have said Point blank We're not selling We're not interested Then I would think it will go down the Luis Suarez route That okay Get your head down We want the season out of you you can go there next summer if it's still on the table. Uh, I would think that's how they'll play it. He's got a World Cup coming next year, so he needs to be playing.
2: He needs to come out really, assuming he doesn't go and sort of address the situation himself and just say, admit that he wanted to leave or admit that he you know he he wanted to go to Barcelona at least not so much leave Liverpool, but go to Barcelona and just make sure that whether it's hollow words or just words that the fans want to hear something to say, "I'm here." Forget what's happened. You've got me for nine, ten months and I'm going to get head down and work and, and we want a successful I think that's season. the
1: way for him to put it as well. I, I wanted to go to Barcelona. Not I wanted to leave yeah. but I wanted to go there. You know, young South American. It's, all, it's South American kids. It's their dream to play for Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, as much as the Premier League is exported as biggest league in the world, best league in the world, the dream down there is get to Spain to one of the big two. Um, I don't think any Liverpool fan would begrudge him that he wanted to live live up to potentially his childhood dream. Um, I think for him, he's got a few fences that will need mending with the fans, but he can—he's perfectly—he's perfectly capable of doing so.
0: Um, I think we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Coutinho was in World Cup action with Brazil last night. Um, England uh, returned to World Cup action. Uh, well, this evening, and um, uh, they they travel to Malta um, before hosting Slovakia uh, at Wembley on Monday. Uh, just a little look ahead to the uh, the internationals uh, this coming uh, weekend. England shouldn't. Well, I mean, they say they shouldn't have any problems against Malta. Uh, looking ahead to Slovakia, Slovakia is a big game for England because, uh, providing Slovakia also win tonight, Slovakia can go above England uh, in their group. Um, are there any problems in this England team or, or, or do we think that they should have enough quality to to qualify? Um, I believe that this is two games where it
1: should be six points. Um, Slovakia at home, it'll be an interesting test, it'll be tough, but England should be winning both games. That's the problems they've got. That midfield um, still, it doesn't inspire confidence when you look at the list of who... Who's, you've got Eric Dyer, Jordan Henderson, Jake Livermore's there um, for that central midfield role. Chalob has been called up for the first time. We look a bit uh, a little bit light in that regard. Um, you saw the deficiencies of the England team when they were beaten by France early in the summer. Um, so that's a worry when you come against the big boys. Um, but apart from that, you know, as long as I can get Harry Kane scoring the defence is reasonably solid they, should, they are about where you think they, they should be you, you pitch England next summer going to the World Cup as quarter finalists I think that's about their,
0: their position
2: of course, you don't have to worry about Lee Griffith uh, this week. So <laughs>
0: should be absolutely fine. Um, so Scotland, um, in, interestingly, um, obviously also in in England's group, uh, they also play Malta. Um, that takes place on Monday. Uh, playing Lithuania, Scotland could put, actually put themselves back in contention uh, in in the group against probably the two most winnable. Uh, well, against two teams that you know Scotland have. Maybe the best chance against uh, in the group. Um, as a Scotsman, Martin, do, do do you have any faith that Scotland can put themselves in the mix? In a word, no. I mean, it's always the games that Scotland should win that they don't win.
2: And obviously, when we dropped the points against England, had we not done so, then we probably would be in the mix. And then after we earned a courageous, brave draw, whatever you want to call it, everyone said all we have to do now is win four in a row. Well,
1: through away three. Yeah, Three points, that, that as well. Two
2: points. <laughs> 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 but you know, when was the last time Scotland won four in a row? It just, it, it, you see, the maths are simple when you put it like that. But I think we just need to, we need to win these two games for sure. Give ourselves something to at least be in the conversation for the final games. But you just want to kind of see an improvement in the side and for Strachan to stop playing uh, Mister Anya at right back when he is not a right back.
0: But that's at a topic for another day. <laughs> Uh, the Group F standings uh, at the moment go- Going into uh, this international weekend England are top on 14 points Slovakia on 12 Slovenia 11 Scotland are back on 8 But obviously as we say they have like, winnable fixtures uh, This weekend England, uh, Ladbrooks are almost not offering odds uh, On them to-, to qualify for the World Cup Scotland 8-1 to uh, with Ladbrooks. Is 8-1 to a tempting bet for Scotland no, to go no. there? No, because...
1: It- I think we all assume England are going to go on and win that group. So they're playing for second, which would then mean a playoff. And as you say, Scotland, when they come up against a stern opponent, you don't really fancy them, to be quite honest.
2: No, no, I mean, listen, I'd love to be optimistic about the chances. But apart from the odd sort of heroic performance, you know, against the bigger sides, if you do pull off every now and again, it's your standard one of the mill games that we just don't perform and the problem is every time we don't qualify and finish third, fourth in the group it just makes it harder for the next time. I mean give me odds on Scotland to qualify for a tournament in the next 20 years and I'm not sure I'll take it. Never mind this
0: one. <laughs> I'm looking also ahead at some of the other home nations uh, Island of Wales in the same group uh, in a bit of a tussle to qualify um out of group. The Serbia are currently top of that group on twelve points. Um actually tied with the Republic of Ireland who were just back on goal difference. Wales four points back in third place. Bear in mind in these World Cup qualifiers only the top team automatically gets into the uh, the World Cup. Second place team has to go into um a qualifier. Um Wales undefeated in this qualifying campaign, but five draws out of six um they've got uh, they've got problems in Anyway, would you? Would it be disappointing for Wales after what they did at the Euros if they didn't make the World Cup? The Short answer is yes, but
2: it's very easy to be get carried away by one good summer, one good result, whatever it is. But as you say, five draws, you know, if three of them become victories. That's an extra six points, and suddenly they're top of the group. So it, it's one of those. There may be not serious problems. they Maybe just need the you know, round the ball to go that way. But you can't. They had a great summer last last year obviously but I don't think that necessarily they are still it's still Wales and of course they've got some good individual players but overall they're no world beaters
1: I think that five five draws in, in six um, hints to you that they're almost there you know they're not far away from where they want to be but they just can't quite put that finishing touch on things um, they need Gareth Bale to be at something like his best Um because he is a difference maker for them. When he's not there or when he's injured, whatever, they miss that little bit of extra spark. Um, But at the same time, this is the best Wales team in a considerable period of time. Um, So it will be disappointing if they they don't make it to Russia. it's a tough group they're in. You know, Serbia a decent side, Ireland have done really well in qualifying so far. Austria are fourth in that group, and they're not a bad side, you know. They were seen by, they completely flopped at Euro 2016, but they were seen by some as a, a bit of a dark horse to go deep into the tournament. Um, Wales, we saw them uh, draw with Georgia, who, you know, supposedly no great shakes, but played some all right stuff on that night and. Should have perhaps come away from Wales with with a win. Um, so it, it's a tough tough group that they've found themselves in, and it's a tough situation they have they are currently in with all those draws. Um, but I think it would be disappointing for them if they don't make it because this is their best opportunity.
2: I think when you look at Ireland, if you said if you said at the end at the start of the campaign that Wales would finish behind Ireland, that would be hugely disappointing. Ireland, I, I think. A above their weight, you know, they're greater than the sum of their parts. So I think Wales would definitely be disappointed if, if, they, don't, if they can't catch them. Yeah,
0: fixtures uh, this weekend Wales uh, start off at home against Austria, while Republic of Ireland travel to Georgia, uh, before Wales travel to Moldova on Tuesday, and then the top two collide uh, Ireland uh, against Serbia. Um, so something's going to give at the top of the group, and that is going to be blown uh, right open. Uh, so it really is anyone's game in Group D. Um, very quick mention uh, for Northern Ireland as well now uh, they're in a relatively strong position and their next game is against San Marino um, Northern Ireland you wouldn't have uh, expected them possibly to get to the, the World Cup especially given that they're in a group with Germany um, but they've given them every chance, themselves every chance of getting into the, the, the playoff round and uh you know, it's turned out to be a great story, isn't it? You can't—I don't think you can speak highly enough of the job Michael O'Neill's done there.
2: And again, like you look at last time, you think was that just a one-off? that he just came together and it all worked out well? But no, he's just carried on. And I think international football is simply about—you don't have much choice when it comes to players, obviously—and it is about what you can get out of that group of players over a short period of time, every few months. And you know, man management counts for a lot, and I think that's what we've seen there. And not—not not a single person would begrudge them more success.
0: Um, some, uh, Northern Ireland obviously traveled to San Marino um uh, on well on Friday night on the, on t- today uh, and then they face off against Czech Republic who are their closest, uh, closest qualified closest rivals sorry uh, for the second spot um um on Monday which you know will prove to be um, an important game um looking ahead to the World Cup next summer as a whole are there any nations which uh particularly are inspiring us you know as thinking you know they could end up going the whole way and winning it uh, just to give you a couple of odds um germany are the favorites to retain the crown at 9 to 2 with ladbrokes um brazil 6 to 1 france 7 to 1 uh, england um, are 20 to 1 uh, to win the world cup um can england get in and amongst kind of them them big boys next summer is it enough time to I said earlier, I think you're
1: pitching them about quarter-final, last eight. Um, and then it would be a case of what happens on the day. Um, I think that's about fair. I don't I don't think they're anywhere near the level of Germany um, who aren't infallible. Personally, I believe Brazil, if, if this World Cup were being played tomorrow, Brazil would be in the best position to win it. Um, because they've been on a staggering transformation since ditching Dunga and putting Tito back in charge, and been led by an attack at Neymar. Last night it was William, but it's often been Coutinho, Gabriel Jesus up front. Um, they look really strong once again. Um, obviously, the old favourites, Germany, Argentina, Spain, they're all going to be there or thereabouts. Um, interesting thing with Spain is that them and Italy are in the same qualifying group. Um, so only one of them is guaranteed to be there. One of them will have to go through a playoff to get there, and you know could fall short. Um, Holland won't be there almost certainly after last night, getting absolutely tanked by France, who another year for their young players, and they will be a, a big player next summer. I would, I'd feel as well.
2: Mine for mine. If you look at their France France lineup, and it's exceptional, and also the, the strength and depth as well. It's just whether or not they can. You know, producing it's so all about looking good on a team sheet, but you know, score goals on team sheets. Well,
1: they should have they should have won the Euros on home soil, yes. shouldn't they? And that and that team wasn't as good then as it is now. Um, so you have to respect them and think that they will be
0: contenders. Yeah, uh, another team you mentioned, looking good on on paper, uh, Belgium have uh, you know an impressive starting lineup. Um, interesting odds wise, within two years their odds of. Almost been halved to win the World Cup next summer. Uh, they're now about sixteen to one. Um, I am not backing a team to win a World Cup with Roberto Martinez
1: as manager. <laughs> as soon as they play somebody remotely decent with a with
0: a tactical plan, they will be beaten. Okay, um, I mean even with the likes of Lukaku no. in there, Lukaku obviously going to have a, a great season with United. We expect he he will, um, but. Eden Hazard Roberto
1: Martinez Kevin De Bruyne Roberto Martinez (laughs) (laughs) they they flattered to deceive they got beat by Wales at Euro 2016 when people were saying oh they could be on for the for the final Um, Martinez showed at Everton that he had that first year where things all all went they played some brilliant football and then as soon as it got a little bit tough he couldn't make the adjustments Um, a tournament like the World Cup it's all about those little adjustments that you make because you've only got one shot at it I don't think he's that guy, um, and I think again that next summer, you know, they'll play a group stage where they'll have a couple of teams that are particularly, you would think not as up to scratch with them. Get through a group stage, then they'll come up against somebody, one of the big boys, and be beaten.
2: It's a real worry that this could be a wasted generation. I mean, you can't. It's a smaller country. You can't rely on these players to come through all the time, and it's been a lot. We've talked about Belgium for a long time. In terms of them maturing and winning something. They're maturing now and, and it could well be that in a few years' time we we'll look back and think, How did they not do better? And I think Alex is right when it comes to Mr.
0: Martinez. Martinez. I mean I I quite like Roberto Martinez myself. But guy, but, you know. He seems yeah. like he seemed like a really nice guy <laughs> to go and have a chat with, but Okay, um that will do us um for this week. Um, thank you once again uh, for tuning in Uh, Sam Matterface will be back on Tuesday with the Stay On Your Feet podcast Um, make sure you stay um, tuned in uh, to Mirror Football uh, to find the links Uh, for that you can follow all the latest sports news all the international news over the weekend uh, at Mirror Football Uh, but until next week um, enjoy uh, enjoy all the action